Hello once again Cougar Nation, welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for our Week 5 edition of the Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's show, we'll recap BYU's fourth win to start the season, a 35-27 decision over spirited South Florida. That moving the Cougars up in the two major polls to 13th and 15th. We'll get Players of the Week and we'll preview Friday night's in-state showdown at Utah State. We'll do all of that with offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick and defensive coordinator and D-line coach Eli Situiaki. We start on the offensive side of the ball by welcoming back in BYU OC Aaron Roderick. Coach, good to see you again. Good to be here. Well, congrats on the W, first up. Uh, and I think, uh, I think game by game, you're seeing this offense to kind of take step by step. And probably the most productive, point total says that, but most explosive game as well for you on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I was really pleased with how we played. That was the most complete game we've played yet. Um, 8.9 yards per play uh, is, if you don't turn the ball over and you get 8.9 yards per play, you'll never lose. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, we got to keep that up. I, don't, I think we... I think we did better than that one time all last season. And, we, you know, we were pretty good on offense last season. And so um, we scored five touchdowns in eight possessions. You know, we were productive. And the eight possession number is lower than normal. Yeah, you, normally you get about 12 possessions per game. So, you know, if, if we get our normal 12 possessions, we're probably in the 50s somewhere. But, um, but it doesn't matter. If you we got the win and you get, like I said, you get five touchdowns in eight possessions and no turnovers, you're going to win. And, and I was proud of how our guys played. Okay, can't really get into the game recap without first addressing the game buildup surrounding the quarterback situation. Jaron Hall was not ready to go after leaving the ASU game late the week before. Yeah, it was just it was a close call. Um, he, he, could he play, could he not? It was a close call, but Baylor had a really good week of practice, and we just felt like felt really comfortable with Baylor's preparation, and we have a lot of faith in him. He's a really good player. So, Where do you stand with the QBs this week? Uh, we'll see. Uh, today, I, you know, find out today just at practice how they're both feeling and how they look. And uh, if Jaron's ready to go, then, then it'll be Jaron. And if he's not, then we'll go with Baylor again. The basics on Baylor are pretty impressive. I mean, he's played in 13 games for his career, started three of them. Over the 13 games, his pass efficiency is 166. You go to just the starts, and it goes up to 177. Yeah. He's, he's a... You know, uh, I can't say enough good things about him. He, the way he prepares, the way he's always ready, um, and he's just so clutch. You know, he just, he just, he's, he's just unfazed by anything. You know, just unaffected by anything. He's just got a cool demeanor. I mean, how? I mean, what, what a great—I wouldn't call it luxury, but what a great situation to be in, where you know QB one and QB two kind of look like one A and one B the way they put their numbers up. Yeah, and it's a long season, so I really respect both these guys, their maturity, their professionalism. They both know it's about the team, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a long season. It's hard to get through a whole year with one QB, and both of them have handled uh, this situation well their whole career, including when Zach was here. And they, they both want to play, but, um, you know, it's, it's great to have both of them. Whether it's BYU or other schools, it is the rare season that goes by where one guy goes yeah. 13 starts. Yeah, approximately 20 teams a year will make it through the whole season with one guy. There's 130 teams. Yeah. So, you, yeah, it's, uh, most teams are going to need two guys to get through the year. And, and uh, what you see often is that the backup guy can't, 
can't get it done. And so you see good seasons derailed by not having another quarterback ready. And, you know, we're fortunate we have two good players. All right, let's get to the game itself. It really is as good a first quarter as I think you could have drawn up. Yeah. Uh, a first drive, the key play, uh, saw the brothers get involved. Baylor to Gunner, 49-yarder on, on the first possession. Yeah, we um, we got off to a fast start, and we noticed there's nobody in the post. I mean, when we jet motion, there's nobody back there. And so, um, you know, we this was a play we've been wanting to get to for a while, and the last few defenses we've played have, have had a deep post player, and these guys did not. And so I, I don't know if they underestimated Gunner's speed or if they were just uh, fully committed to stopping the run, but we knew we wanted to throw one over their heads early in the game, and it was nice to connect. And Gunner's got a pretty good layout film by this point. He's one of the best yeah. layout receivers you've got. Yeah, he, he's got a lot of speed, and he's got a great knack for adjusting to the ball in flight, you know, like a, like a good outfielder. Um, it's one thing to be fast, but it's another thing to be able to spot the ball in air and run to the spot where the ball's going to hit the ground. And he's got that, he's got that knack to find it and, and take a good angle to go get it. And, um, the, and then he's got great hands. And let's reiterate the fact that after taking a knee knock in that first game, uh, and he's been great since, it's almost like you don't think about the fact that he got hurt in the opener. Yeah, I can't say enough about his toughness. I mean, they told us that after that game he'd be out about four weeks. And he didn't miss one game. So, and, and he didn't play his, to his full capability against Utah, but he played. Mm -hmm. And then against. Scored a touchdown. Yeah, and then against Arizona State, he got a little better. And then this, this game, I thought he, 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 I mean, he looked like his old self. So at this point, we can kind of stop thinking yeah, about him. He's a really tough kid. Yeah. All right, Tyler Algier scores a touchdown for you, uh, puts you up 7 0 early in this one. Yet another game where you guys open up on top. Yeah, and, yeah. And Tyler, again, we want to get him the ball as much as we can. Uh, uh, I thought I thought he'd be well over 20 carries in this game. We just didn't have quite as many possessions as I expected. I think it, had we had a few more possessions in that second half, I think he would have been easily over 100 yards rushing. Um, but we just, you know, he, he's just such a such a good player. I mean, a couple of the runs he made in this game weren't actually blocked that well, but he just ran over people and made people miss. And uh, he's really glad he's on our side. Another solid game for T.A. And after a defensive three and out, second possession, second TD. Uh, key play here, it's another chunk play. It's uh, Baylor to Puka for 55 yards. You've been wanting more chunk plays, yeah. more explosives, and the first quarter delivered that way. Yeah, we had a couple of long foul balls to Puka the week before, and so we really worked this week. I love how he saved room on the sideline here for this throw to be dropped in over his outside shoulder. That's the technique we want to use. The week before, he had one where he... He was catching the ball as he was going out of bounds. He didn't give Baylor or uh, Jaron enough room, and this week he did. It was so great job of applying what Fessy teaches in practice and applying it to the game, and then just a, a perfect throw. I mean, uh, Baylor got hit as he was throwing this ball and put it right on the money. What kind of route runner is, uh, is Puka? He's an excellent route runner. He has great suddenness in his breaks, and so he can be going full speed and change direction without losing any speed. Um, and and He's a big, strong guy, too, so when he gets bumped around by DBs, he usually gets the better of them and when they try to initiate contact. Okay, that sets you up in your second drive for Mason Wake. Mason Wake had a career-high five catches in this game. He was involved early, and you found him in the flat for the second score. Yeah, and that was part of the game plan. We, we thought there were some good ways to get him the ball, and, he, you know, and I also want to reward him for all the, all the dirty work he does in our offense. But he's an excellent receiver, and he does he does good things with the ball after the catch. I want him to stop jumping <laughs> over people because, uh, yeah, that's just 
he's, I think he's better off just keeping his feet on the ground and he can run over people or make a miss. But he's an excellent receiver and uh, these plays were, you know, by design, we wanted to get him involved. Are you worried about the risk of injury when you get up in the air? Yeah, I am. I, I just think you lose all your power when you leave, leave the ground, first of all, and then you put yourself at risk for either a ball security issue first and secondly, an injury. So, I'm, I, you know, he's a good, he's got a knack for it. I'm not going to tell him he can't hurdle once in a while, but I'd like to see him keep his feet on the ground. Okay, defensive takeaway next for BYU. Give you a short field opportunity. Uh, and Baylor, and, uh, Baylor had a 13-yard run, I think, in the ensuing short field drive. And then you had Tyler's second touchdown of the day. Put you up 21 nothing. So it was kind of all clicking in the first quarter. Both sides, complimentary football. And, and you took, uh, picked up where the defense left you. Yeah, and that's, that, this game is how we want to play on offense. I mean, we, we established the run early. We were uh, making a lot of easy completions in our RPO game. And then our run game was setting up the deep shots. And we were landing the deep shots. And that's that's... That's basically who we are as an offense. We run, we run a lot of wide zones and we throw the ball deep. And um, you know, we, if we can continue to just keep improving, I think we got a chance to be a great offense. Was this one of those runs where you said Tyler kind of had to? Yeah, that one. That one. Uh, actually, Baylor probably should have pulled that one. That's one that Jaron's been pulling in the other games, and Baylor handed that off, and Tyler just took care of the guy that we were reading. Gotcha. Uh, you had only one punt on the night. It came in the second quarter. Of course, Rico crushed it. Um, yeah. It's nice knowing if you if you have a chance where you need to get some field position back and a drive stalls, he can help you out. He's been amazing. Yeah, that's something that we've, uh, you know, we preach as a program. I mean, we talk about playing team football. And so if we don't get a first down, you know, we talk a lot about being smart on third down so that if there's not a, if there's not a chance for the quarterback to get a first down in, in the passing game, knowing that we can punt the ball, our defense will get a stop, and we'll usually get the ball back in even better field position than where we ended. That's happened a lot over the last couple seasons, and it's something we preach as a program. Ryan is a top five punter currently in the punt average, and he didn't even get enough yards on the punt he did have because it was a touchback, and that thing was well through the end zone. He just, he just, yeah. he just like crushes it. Yeah, he does. He's really good. All right, uh, fourth touchdown of the first half came after Lopini got you out of a, a second and long. It was his long run of the season. And, he, and he, again, Tyler gets a lot of the headlines right now, but Peeney's a great yeah. change of pace for you. Yeah, Peeney's a really good player. He, um, you know, we're, we want to use him in more ways, and, and um, he's such a good receiver. He's an excellent blocker, and he's a very good running back in his own right as well. It just, um, and I think as the season goes along, you're going to see him, his role will increase because, you know, the bumps and bruises start adding up. Peeney's a guy who can, he can fill in our depth at uh, receiver, at tight end even. Like, we don't line him up at tight end, but we can go to two back sets and do a lot of the same things we'll do with tight ends. Or we can, we can split him out at receiver and do some of the things we do in our three or four receiver sets. And you're going to see his role, I think, just keep growing as the year goes on. And, and you know, as injuries are bound to mount, you know, you, you got to have versatility as an offense. You got asked about your running back pecking order last week. And, and fortunately, you've not had to go beyond the top two right now. Who knows if that will, will or will not happen, but it's nice to have those two guys playing so well together right now. Yeah, they're doing a great job. Um, they're, they're awesome leaders, too. I mean, they, those, those two guys, the way they practice every day, their character, uh, how much it means to them, just sets a great example for all of our players. Fourth touchdown of the first half came on Neil Pau's fourth touchdown of the season. He had a big night and took a lot of hits in the process. There's another tough wide receiver. He's so tough, yeah. He, I mean... Uh, I wish people could see him practice. The guy never takes a playoff. He practices as hard as any player I've ever seen in my whole career. Um, 
and he's just so durable. He's, he's banged up. Every week he's taking shots out there, banged up, and he just he makes it through the practice week anyway without missing anything and plays great on Saturdays. And uh, I'm glad he got rewarded with this touchdown. We've been, we've been practicing this play for a month, and it was finally the time to call it. And what a great ball. Excellent throw, and we executed the play to exactly how it should be. All 11 positions did their job. It was, it was nice to see a play turn out the way you've been practicing it. The way you draw it up. Well, you get the halftime up 28-6, to six, and Baylor Romney was just outstanding in the first half. 13 for 18, buck 81, two touchdowns, uh, no picks. In the half, you go five drives, four touchdowns, and the one punt. Perfect red zone half for you as well. Again, another zero turnover half of football. Yeah, and we, we talk about every week. Number one is taking care of the football. You know, if, if you take care of the ball, you always have a chance. And then when we get to the red zone, we want touchdowns. And we, we pra I, I say it every week, we practice red zone a lot. We talk about it a lot. We game plan it a lot. It's a big part of what we do. And uh, our players have taken it to heart. When we get down there, they're, they're hungry to get a touchdown. And they're, they're, they're not happy when we have to kick a field goal. Give USF six there. It was actually 28-6 at the break. Not a first half shutout but a pretty good first half of football for BYU taking that 28-6 lead into the break. Well, time for our break. When we come back, we'll talk about how the second half went down and identify this week's Offensive Player of the Week. As we head to break, we remind you that BYU Football with Kalani Sitake airs Tuesday nights, 6.30 Mountain Time on the BYU TV app. And we have a live studio audience. Hit the seat request link you'll find on my Twitter feed, and we'll see you tomorrow night. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more after this. Go away from the motion on a short boot. Baylor steps up and goes deep down the middle. He's got his brother. Gunner makes the catch. He lays out and hauls it in. The brother act early and a big gainer for BYU. We are back on the coordinator's corner with BYU offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. Cougs outlasted South Florida Saturday night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. 35-27 your final. BYU now 4-0 in consecutive seasons for the first time in program history. And you did bring that up to the team. I thought, you thought that was a cool thing to acknowledge. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm super excited about that and proud to be a part of it. I mean, uh, you know, I just, I have a great appreciation for everything Lavelle did here. And I couldn't believe that yeah. all the great things Lavelle did. He never had a team that went 4-0 back-to-back seasons. So we feel just really honored to be a part of a team that accomplished that. Absolutely. Well, it was another wire-to-wire -wire win for you guys as well. Uh, BYU is one of the six teams in the country yet to trail at any point this season. You've won your last 12 games when you score first. Uh, what does playing with a lead do for you as a play caller? Well, it, you know, our defense is built to make people really have to earn their points. And so when we get a lead on people and they have to go to like a passing mode, it's a great advantage for us. And, and uh, you know, I think that's why we, we put a big emphasis on starting fast and getting out in front of people. And, you know, we unfortunately we haven't been able to start as fast as we'd like to on offense, but somehow we've still managed to have a lead every game. And now this game we started fast, yeah. got way out in front, and now we just got to, you know, finish the game a little better. BYU's won 11 straight games as well when leading by 14 or more at halftime. You had a nice advantage at the break led by 22. Uh, but credit to Jeff Scott's team and USF. Uh, they battled hard after halftime and did a real nice job kind of keeping you off the field for the most part in the second half. Yeah, it was an interesting strategy to be down 28-6 and then have your game plan be to come out and run the ball and eat the clock. You know, and you wouldn't think that would be a, uh, a formula for getting back into it. 
but it actually worked for them and they, they found a few things that worked for them and and uh, you know I, I think honestly that they probably started out with that just to sort of help their defense get some rest sort of mitigate the damage mm -hmm. and then, you know and then they found a few things and, and found some hope and, and it uh, but it, it was an odd strategy to be down 28-6 and go to strictly running the ball and eating the clock and, and uh, credit to them they they you know that they were good well coached and they played hard and played a good game but they did too like they kind of ran out of possessions they only touched the ball three yeah, times in the second exactly half. and that was the thing so it was frustrating to not have the ball I know it was frustrating sometimes maybe for the fans to watch the way that second half went but the strategy they did sort of gave them a chance but they also limited their opportunities to beat us and that even though the game got a little tight, I think offensively, we never had any doubt. Like, just, okay, as soon as we get the ball, we'll just go do what we're supposed to do again, right. and we'll keep extending this lead. And, and that's what we did. We, you know, we had the ball three times in the second half. We got a touchdown. We drove down and unfortunately missed a field goal where we should have probably ran the ball two more times. That was my fault. Um, you know, if we get those points there, it's back to a three-score game, and now they can't do what they've been doing. they got to throw it. And then your last possession, you go four minute and end the game with the ball. So, which is, uh, I'm really excited about that. Three games in a row, we have run the ball five, six, seven minutes to end the game, and and uh, that's been, you know, something that we are really happy about. We want to we want to have the ability to close games yeah. out, stay on the field, and close it out running the ball. That's a great hallmark. Uh, BYU's one second half TD did come after USF made it 28 to 13. Another explosive drive, four plays, 75 yards. Scoring play is Baylor to Gunner for 47 yards. Yeah, and it, this is uh, basically the same play that he, he where he caught the deep post earlier in the game. Uh, just slightly different formation, but almost the exact same play. And so this one put you up, gave you 35 and, and put you up 22 again. And maybe we take for granted, maybe just how, and I haven't done the research on this. I don't know that there is enough research on this, but for brothers to be connecting like this on passes at the Division One level. Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty cool. It's really cool. Yeah, I'm, I was so happy for both of them. Uh, really happy that Baylor got, you know, an opportunity to play. He he's he deserved deserves it. And uh, you know, Jaron's done a great job this year. And um, you know, wanted Jaron to be able to play, but happy for Baylor. How much of what Baylor and Gunner have going is a function of the fact they've been living together their entire lives? Uh, we tease them a lot about how they play buddy ball in practice. <laughs> if uh, whatever pass plays on, the other receivers will joke. Well, we already know the ball's going to Gunner, and that's not really uh, – Gunner doesn't really do that. But <laughs> you can tell they've, they've practiced together a lot. They have a lot of chemistry. What a great thing. And I also uh, – check this out today. Uh, Gunner has four catches for 30 yards or longer, and they've all come in the last two weeks, by the way. That's top 15 nationally in terms of long, long, uh, long plays from scrimmage through the air. Yeah, he's he's a he's a deep threat. He's been a deep threat his whole career. Uh, last year he had a bunch of big plays, um, and you know we're gonna keep throwing it to him down the field. So you went up 22 there again, 35-13. USF rallies. Uh, one more score would have kind of sealed the deal for you. You put together a nice drive, uh, yeah. spanned third or so the third from the third to the fourth quarters. You got to that first and goal from the eight, and then for the first time this year, you left the red zone without points. Yeah, that was my fault. We got too cute down there. We should have just gave the ball to Tyler and kept running it. We, we would have gotten the end zone. We, we ran a, a jet sweep that we didn't block well, and then we ran a, a quarterback draw uh, that has an RPO on it. Baylor elected to throw the fade to Isaac Rex um, and probably should have uh, probably should have ran the draw, but um, it's tempting to throw to that 6'6 guy. You just got to keep the ball in bounds and give him a chance. 
But uh, I regret now not just running the ball there. We were running the ball so well. We should have uh, rewarded our offensive linemen and just pounded it in there. Um, so, yeah, if we get points there, it's game over. And yeah. they got to go to the pass. And we'll probably get a turnover or a sack or something. BYU still, though, 14 of 15 in the red zone, uh, 12 touchdowns. And the red zone touchdown rate is top 10 nationally. Yeah, and we want to keep it going. We were disappointed to not score there that last one. That's been thinking about that one more than the ones we did score. <laughs> so, um, but we'll keep we'll keep working at it. Red zone numbers excellent. And again, you you said uh, all you talk about with the team when you talk red zone is the touchdown rate. Yeah. And you have 12 touchdowns on 15 possessions in the red zone. Yeah, it's it's all about getting touchdowns. If you're if you're scoring touchdowns when you get down there, and you're taking care of the ball, um, you know we're hard to beat. We're a tough team to beat if we do that. You already referenced it. When you got the ball back with 5.41 to play, you ended the game with the ball. And you've shown that real knack now. And, and, and as good as, as, as running a two-minute offense to score, running a four-minute, we call it, to close it out is equally as important. And that's really shown to be like one of the strengths of this team. Like You can do that. There's confidence that you can, if you have to grind it out, you'll do it. Yeah, we'd already done it the last two games prior to that. And, and um, so that whole series when our defense was on the field, we were already talking as a team, like no matter what happens here, whether they score or not, we're going to get the ball and we're going to end the game on the field. We're going to, and so we had the plan in mind to do that. Uh, Baylor was milking the clock. We were snapping it at two seconds, and uh, we had our our most physical run plays dialed up. I think we threw one RPO hitch on that drive, and the rest were just runs to eat the clock. Okay, let's get to your offensive player of the week from Saturday night then. Yeah, Baylor. I mean, he it was he played really well, and I was excited for him to have a good game like that. And I think all of our players. Uh, you know, we had a bunch of guys play well. Uh, Puka and uh, Gunner both had 100 yards receiving, but um, thought Baylor deserved it. You've started three games with Baylor as your quarterback, and BYU's 3-0 in those games. Two wins in 2019, and then the win Saturday night. Yeah, and he, he gets it done. He's a winner. He's a competitor. He's always ready to play, and um, can't say enough good things about his character and what kind of leader he is. All right, as we go to break, a reminder that uh, dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now open in Harriman. This Friday night, BYU plays at Utah State. Get your game night started with Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio, 5 o'clock Mountain Time, 7 o'clock Eastern for the start there. Coming up next, we'll look ahead to that game and see what we have on social media for Coach Roderick. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more in Studio C right after this. As they go play fake and they go deep down the middle, Baylor to Gunner again makes the catch for the touchdown! Hauls it in inside the five and walks in for six. BYU scores again, brother to brother, Baylor to Gunner. The Cougs go up 34 to 13 with the PAT pending. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, visiting with BYU OC Aaron Roderick, Coach Roderick, and the Cougs take a number 13 AP ranking into Friday night's game at Utah State. 90th meeting between these two teams. BYU's won three of the last five, including a 42-14 win in BYU's last trip to Logan back in 2019. On that night, uh, Jaron Hall left that game injured. Baylor Romney came in and threw a couple of touchdown passes. BYU won big, and two years later, here we are with the Jaron once again, dealing with a bit of an injury issue, and Baylor Romney available. And uh, when do you think during the week you'll get a good sense of, of quarterback readiness for the weekend? Um, I'm hoping to know later today, um, but... 
we could go as long as tomorrow probably to you know figure out how we're going to distribute the reps and um and just also you know there's a good chance we might need them both just the way it is okay uh utah state was 3-0 before their loss to boise state on a saturday morning into early afternoon up in logan a couple thoughts on the aggies they're a good team they've been playing good football i know saturday they were probably disappointed they i think they made some mistakes offensively that uh you know prevented them from scoring more points, but they were moving the ball really well and they play good defense. They've been flying around this year. I think all three of their wins, they've come back from double digit deficits. I think that's correct. And late fourth quarter deficits. Yeah, yeah. so they've, they've shown that they have a lot of character and, and you know, and they're gonna play hard up four quarters. Very well coached. Um, Coach Anderson's done a great job. So, and, and it's a hostile environment. It'll be our first test with real crowd noise in a long time. We haven't had a crowd noise game since the 2019 season, probably, uh, maybe Tennessee. Last time we've had to really deal with some noise. That leads us into our social media question. Great segue without Coach knowing this was coming. At uh, Coog Lightning on Twitter says, ASU struggled with BYU's crowd noise. Props to The Rock. BYU hasn't had to face a hostile crowd since 2019. How will the team be prepared for USU's crowd? Yeah, we'll go, we'll go indoors today with the offense. We'll, we warm up outside together, and then we'll split, we'll split up, and offense will go inside. Uh, and we will crank the noise as loud as it can get inside our, our uh, indoor practice facility. And, and uh, it's a miserable hour and a half of just ear ringing noise, but that's, that's all you can do is just you got to get in there and practice without being able to communicate uh, verbally. You gotta, uh, we've, got, we've got a good plan. They're expecting back-to-back -back sellouts. They had one for Boise on the weekend and then Friday night with you guys. A blackout for Utah State. They'll be in all-black uniforms on Friday night. Uh, Mike Brady on uh, Twitter, uh, question in, says, lots of great chunk yardage this last week. Was it due to the opponent or a different play calling than in previous weeks? Um, it was more about how they chose to defend us. Uh, we, we've had those same play calls in every game. Um, you know, Utah and Arizona State both you know, you think of Utah as being a man-to-man -man team, but they played a lot of cover two against us with two deep safeties. And then when they, and they played a lot of some cover three as well with a really deep post player. And so it just, it was harder to throw those deep balls. And Arizona State, same thing. They got the post player that's back there deep the whole game. These guys, they committed everybody to stop the run. I mean, they had the safeties low. They were crowding the box. They, you know, they, I think they felt like they were a little overmatched in the run game. And so they, they were getting everybody committed up there to stop it. And they were just inviting us to throw it over their head. What does Utah State show schematically that way, at least through four games? Uh, a good mixture of coverages. They do a lot of different things. Um, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be, we'll find out when we get there kind of kind of mm. situation. But we'll be ready um, to, you know, do what we do. We're going to run the football and um, we'll have our, we'll have our play action passes dialed up. And we also have a good amount of quick game that we do every week. And, and uh, there's no secret about what we do on offense. And we'll find out how they choose to defend us. Well, have a great week of prep, Aaron, and uh, good luck on Friday night. Thanks. Looking forward to it. All right, that is Coach Aaron Roderick. You can get pregame coverage of BYU's Friday night battle at Utah State on BYU TV's Countdown to Kickoff. That'll be Friday at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain Time. The kick at 7 o'clock, and 7 is going to feel like an early game after the last few weeks. Uh, coming up next, we bring in defensive coordinator and D-line coach Eli Satuiaki. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back in Studio C right after this.
you are in the coordinator's corner brought to you by JCW's the Burger Boys second half hour of the show starting as we switch from the offensive to the defensive side of the ball with defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Eli Satuiaki coach E and the Cougs now 4-0 on the season one of only 23 4-0 teams in the FBS after Saturday night's 35-27 home win over South Florida and after one neutral field and three home field games, time to play a true away game. BYU at Utah State this Friday night. Coach E, good to see you again. Good to be back. Thoughts on being part of the first back-to-back 4-0 seasons in BYU football history? That's, uh, it's amazing. That's, uh, wins are hard to come by. And so to be part of that's been, it's been really cool. All right, the defense you started against USF was not the defense you opened the season with a few short weeks ago. Injuries have uh, kind of taken their toll through the first four games. It's going to happen, but you were down some bodies on Saturday night. We were we were down bodies. Um, you know, it's uh, you look at you look at a lot of Power Five teams, and just uh, <clears throat> we've talked about it in the past. Just the bigger difference between uh, you know P5s and G5s is really the depth and. Um, you know, our depth right now is being tested and, you know, we'll, we'll be able to get a couple guys back and, and uh, <clears throat> that should add just to, you know, the depth of the defense. But it is when you lose a lot of players and guys that have been taking reps, you know, one of the things um, on film, at least when we go, went, went back to look at what was going wrong, where could we have made, made uh, corrections, just different things like that, is really um, the nuances of a position. You know, you, you take Chaz down from safety, you move him to back or there's just nuances of, of moving down into the box of things that looks that he may not have uh, seen in practice or or uh, you know practice against there's um, you know Ben Bywater moving into a different different position there's a couple of DNs there just so there's just a lot of nuanced mistakes that we were seeing on film and just a lot of things that we could have done better just coached better but um, you know we certainly love the bodies of the kids that are playing it's just We'd look like a young defense again when we're losing a lot of those uh, those veteran guys. Overall, uh, how would you say the guys who've been asked to step up and fill some roles have done uh, through four games? That yeah, way? they they battled. You know, they battled. They've done a really good job. Um, you know, just just there's it. You know, sometimes it just takes time. It takes time to a lot of reps to to get uh, get to where you feel like you have a, a veteran group. And um, you know, we feel really really good about the future of a lot of those guys that we're playing. It's just there, there was there was a lot that was put on them early, and, and it's just the name of the game. And and uh, you know we've been used to that in the previous few years, where you have a lot of young guys taking reps and and uh, you know playing. But uh, it is we feel good about them though. Okay, great start defensively uh, versus USF, three and out and a four and out, uh, including a fumble recovery to begin the game uh, early in that first quarter. Offense scored three touchdowns on three possessions. So you're up 21 nothing after the first quarter. Another first start game for BYU. Another a quick start game for BYU. Yeah, yeah. You know, felt felt at the beginning of the game like uh, we were going to be able to put them away, and didn't know how they would react. I thought that their coaches did a good job keeping them fighting and and uh, working, and they they put a couple of drives together, and then obviously in the second half they, they kept us on the field defensively, and we we uh, played a lot of third downs and a lot of fourth downs, a lot more than we have in the past, and they just they did they did a good job grinding it out and and finding a way to convert and just continue to go. I mean, they ended up, I think, in a 19-play drive just to end the game. And, yeah. and uh, you know, we certainly had opportunities to, to get off the field. They made plays when, when those uh, plays came up, and we didn't. We just, uh, we've got to find a way to get off, and that's really been the bigger difference in uh, these longer drives versus, versus getting off is just on a third down, third and long, you know, they, 
they they get yards that kind of encourages them to go for it on fourth down or whereas before we'd, we'd end up getting off. So when you do have a big, big lead like that, how does it or does it affect play calling defensively when you've got some leeway? It, it affects it in a positive way. Um, you know, when, when you've got teams that feel like they can't keep up with your offense and our offense did a phenomenal job just scoring, I felt like, you know, for us on defense at least, it felt like they were scoring at will. There were, you know, a couple of couple of times that we punted or, or whatever the case was. One punt. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And, and so we felt like, okay, these guys can't keep up with the offense. We've got we've to continue to just uh, get off the field. But I think with, uh, you know, the, the way their quarterback was playing and, and the, the plays that he was making and just some of the things that they were doing offensively, I thought that they did a really good job just, just trying to, you know, shorten the game and, and keep it close and keep our offense off the field. You touched on it again there. USF's first scoring drive, 13 plays, 69 yards, almost seven minutes off the clock. And that was how they did pretty much most of their scoring uh, on the night was these long, time-consuming drives. Yeah, yeah, and that's, you know, they, I thought they did a really good job. They just, they sequenced their calls pretty pretty well, um, you know, on, on a third down where you think that you've got an opportunity to rush the passer and and, and the passer was a really good, good athlete and he was a guy that we underestimated a little bit. I mean, we knew that he was an athlete, but um, well, he was an unbelievable athlete. I think he's got a bright future and a, and a bright career. But uh, you know, he made some plays and, and we didn't. And it just it was it was frustrating for us as coaches. And and uh, you know, we've got to do a better job as coaches. Just I mean, you know, we put a lot in our players. And sometimes in those frustrating situations, the coaching job is staying calm and and uh, you know making those adjustments. But. I've got to do a better job, and, and we've got to do a better job overall to get off the field. I'm glad you hit on McLean there. They started him against Florida AM and the week before. It was his first start, but he's a true freshman. And you kind of wondered what you were going to see when it went from Florida AM to a BYU. By the end of it, I thought, they've got their guy. Absolutely, absolutely. He, he played a little bit in, in the previous games as well, and it, it really wasn't enough film for us to, to uh, uh, put a uh, game plan specific just to him. Um, and, you know, I th think that we would have been a little bit more like treat him like Khalil Tate, you know, kind of plan with a little bit more of a spy. But a lot of the packages we had, just the the, the person responsible to trigger the quarterback was just a little bit delayed, and and uh, and it just you know we just didn't have the best plan for him. And so uh, did a really good job. And and when when we had guys just at the point of attack to make the play, we just didn't. And so we've got to do a better job just getting off the field like that. But he was impressive uh, on the night. He, you guys defended 72 snaps. That's not a huge number in and of itself, but it was 22 more plays than BYU got on offense. Yeah, yeah, and it was, um, you know, it's it's not a, not necessarily a positive that we look at, but we felt like we made them earn everything. Uh, we need to get off the field to get get our offense the ball back so we can keep scoring. But uh, uh, you know, when you're playing that, getting getting a certain amount of yards and not very many points, it's it's not a good thing on offense and. You know, I thought uh, they, they squeaked out every single point for every single yard that they could get. And, you know, we, we had our opportunities, like I said, on third downs and fourth downs, and they just, they converted and we, we couldn't get them off. In time, the BYU offense was like, just wind them up, let them go. They just want to get back on the field to score again. Yeah, yeah, I know. We, you know, I'm in the box with A-Rod. And they, we, you know, there's obviously a, a great camaraderie with just us playing team ball. And, you know, felt like for the first three weeks, the defense was, was uh, you know really giving us a chance, and this one, you know, I know the offense they they weren't frustrated at all up in the box, and you know it was it was uh, I mean they they were they were doing their deal when they got on and taking care of us, and so we appreciate that. Just one turnover on the night, it was a takeaway, a BYU takeaway, and in a one-score game, 
that fumble recovery and the short field touchdown you get in the opening quarter kind of proves a key to a winning margin here. Yeah, yeah, you, uh, th those fourth downs are huge. I think, uh, you know, uh, USF's mentality coming in and going for it on fourth down as many times as they, as they could, I think, uh, you know, showed where they were mentally as far as them trying to keep up and with our offense and keep, keep our offense off the field. So another plus margin game in the turnover margin, zero giveaways on offense, and BYU's now plus six in the margin through, uh, through four games. That'll win you a lot of games, and really that's been a real strong suit for this team. Last you know, year and a half is very few giveaways, and you guys are taking it away at least once a game. Yeah, that's, it's, it's huge to win games. You know, obviously we talk about statistically, it's uh, the score is the most important stat, and then after that it really, you could argue it is the, the, the takeaways and the, the, the turnovers. And, our offense has done a really good job, and, and we've got to keep getting after it, try to get the, go, the ball back for them. You had a 28-6 lead over USF at halftime. USF scoring came on two long field goal drives, but no touchdowns. Uh, what was your game plan at the break on Saturday night? Uh, felt like it was really just uh, we came in and talking more about just uh, fundamentals and tackling. I mean, that was, that was really the thing that showed up to keep them in long drives. Um, thought the boys buckled down pretty well in the red zone and, and forced them to field goals, and it were really – you know, the, the, a couple other touchdowns that they had was the, the reverse on a fourth down and then another play. Uh, I mean, there's, I think there were three or four plays on the one-yard line that if we, uh, you know, just just make those plays and we're out of those drives and we get big stops and, and uh, you know, different ball game. Okay, time for a break. When we come back, we'll recap the second half briefly of BYU's fourth straight win to start the season and get to defensive and special teams players of the week when the coordinator's corner continues. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more after this. A play fake short boot. And in the end zone, the catch is made by Neil Papu for the touchdown. And the Cougs go up 27-6 with the PAT pending. Back on the coordinator's corner with defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Elisa Tuiaki. BYU now one of 26 undefeated FBS teams. BYU ranked 13th and 15th in the AP and the coaches' polls, respectively. BYU's perfect September was capped off with a 35-27 home win over South Florida on Saturday night. Uh, moving on up in the polls, a nice signal of respect and recognition for this team again. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that, 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 that's a great thing for the team, great thing for the, for the players, I think. Um, you know, one of the things that we're talking to the players about is, um, you know, you start to move up. It's it's your everybody's Super Bowl now, you know, and and uh, to respect your opponent and, and and come in ready to play is it's going to be a huge deal for us. There it is. BYU ranked 13th in the AP and again 15th in the coaches. That undefeated record remains intact into October. USF head coach Jeff Scott, by the way, spent a. Most of his last 15 years at Clemson, so he's been in some big-time environments. And he said Lavelle Edwards Stadium was one of the best he'd ever seen Saturday night. That's that's a great tribute to the fans and and just uh, what Cougar Nation's brought. I mean, this whole year, that's that's it's been fun to have a full stadium. And we, after a whole year of having empty stadiums, and and uh, I mean, the the crowd is unbelievable. You led 28-6 at halftime the other evening. Then USF opens the second half with that 14-play, 75-yard drive for a touchdown. And a really nice play design on that uh, fourth and goal from the three. You mentioned it was a reverse. Uh, how were you seeing that in the booth as they lined it up and then how you played it? <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they did a great job. And, you know, one of the things defensively, so it's, it was a long drive. One of the things defensively you start to see is, is uh, you know, when, uh, when an offense is moving and, and you don't trust uh, the person next to you, trust the system or just something's faltering, everybody tries to 
you know, do everybody else's job. And and uh, we've got it's a great reminder for us to for everybody to just do their jobs. And and uh, you know, we we actually talked about it on the sidelines that this is coming. Like Galani said, this is coming. Mm. And and it's uh, you this know, kind it, of play or that play. This exact play is coming. Huh. You know, and. And it's just uh, you know when when you're when you're looking over and trying to trying to make a play you want to you want to make a play so badly you come out of your element you're doing you're in somebody else's area and and you end up missing the play that should have come to you I mean that's that's really what happened. Mm. Uh, Romney to Romney uh, gave BYU a 35-13 lead and then USF scores the final two touchdowns of the game and their last drive was that marathon right 19 plays 94 yards two third down conversions two fourth down conversions including the touchdown at the very end. Yeah, uh, there was. They they grinded us down and and uh, you know I think that their team their coaching staff their players deserve a lot of credit for that and that was um, you know what we're talking about you've got to find a way to get off and and it was really you look at some of the sequence of the plays and as we watched it on film it's you know you you, you get a, a big play on a first down and a big play on a second down or at least you know it's you're looking at third and nine and it's just you you end up giving up something that gives them a manageable fourth down mm -hmm. and there's a lot of felt like there were a lot of third uh, third and ones third and shorts as as well as fourth downs and um, you know winning on first and second is just as important as winning on on, on third and fourth. Uh, two of the top tacklers on the night ended up being defensive linemen uh, Pepe Tanavasa and Caden Hawes down some numbers on the D line Saturday. How do you think the line uh, as a group played? Against USF, they were, they, I thought they played hard. You know, they they played hard, and and for the most part, there were um, you know a lot of bright spots in there. There's there's, there's guys that are dependable that do a really good job. I and mean, Caden stepped up with a nice eye out, and you know Earl and and Gabe uh, Summers. I mean, those those two are unbelievable players, and they play multiple positions and different packages and just do a really good job. And some of the young kids that are that are in there, are, you know, ma making young mistakes and and. Uh, some of the, you know, when we watch it and kind of go back, I've got to remind myself that, you know, guys like Kairos are making the same type of mistakes that, you know, a, a young guy would make. And, you know, guys like that that stood out, you know, as really dependable players like Zach Don, Bracken O'Bakery made the same kind of mistakes. And so it's just getting more reps on them, getting them to see it and, and coaching them up and getting them better is where they are. But, I mean, there's so many young players that played, so many young players, a lot of defensive ends that played that, that I thought had some good snaps and had some snaps that we needed to improve on. You mentioned Nisa. What are the chances you get to Nisa Mahe and Tyler Batty back for Utah State? They'll, they'll both be back this week. Um, you know, they, they didn't practice all of last week, and it's really difficult, that, especially at that fr uh, front position, to, to, to play a guy who hasn't played unless they've got, you know, 40, 50 games under their belt, like the guys that we had last year. And so just felt like it was the be the best thing for the team and, and for them and their future just to make sure that we, we protect them from themselves. And, you know, they wanted to play. They wanted to suit up. And, um, you know, it was a great message for the other guys that they had to get the job done and we weren't going to. We weren't going to, you know, rely on these guys without having having to practice. And so, but they'll be ready. Those two will be ready Good. to go, and and uh, we'll we'll be full full strength at the D line spot at least. Okay. Good. As before, we get to our players of the week. Uh, defensive red zone numbers really good. Top 25, I think maybe 25th or 26th right now in terms of touchdown rate allowed. Um, if you can hold teams to field goals, that's a victory of sorts, right? But the number of touchdowns BYU's allowed in the red zone is pretty low, comparatively speaking. And so how do you feel the team is doing when things get backed up inside the 20? Yeah, we, we've, uh, I mean, going into this game, felt really, the, the, the kids the kids bow up and they feel really good about you know playing in the red zone and tighten up everything in there and, and forcing field goals has kind of been our deal. And, uh, you know, to give up a couple of those, those touchdowns in the, in the second half, 
where we really could have gotten out of it was was a little disappointing. But you know, we as coaching staff we talked about you know myself as you know being able to do things better, coach better. And it's, it's not like anybody on the defense uh, or on the defensive staff was out there balling out as coaches either. I mean, we had to be better as coaches and we got to be better as players to come out of those situations. But there were there were plays to be made and. And we didn't make them, and there, there are adjustments to be made that, and and that I and I didn't make them, and so we've got to be better overall, just to, as a, as a group, to come away with a, a better margin of victory. Let's end the segment with players of the week. We'll start on defense. Yeah, you know, Pepe Tarovasa did a did a really good job. Um, you know, one of the one of the guys that's been consistent consistent for us in the past few games, but he really stood out this game, and just just uh, you know, we've moved him around in different packages, and and he's been just. Um, you know, lights out with with uh, playing his role. And some, in some weeks, his role isn't as good, isn't as big as other weeks. And you know what we asked him to do and, and how he showed up in a positive way was really really huge for us. All right, Coach Lamb gave us a special teams recognition, and we get multiples there: top rock, top rock, top block, and player of the game Hobbs Nyberg, BYU's best punt return night of the season. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you look at all all three of those guys are all you know great contributors. Um, all kids that have that have come as walk-ons too. I mean, that's just a, another another tribute to to what uh, walk-ons mean to this program. And all, I mean, we're, we're really excited about all of them and what they bring to the table. And Bourne was, you know, originally came here as a receiver, and so now he's playing nickel for us. And now we, we have Caleb out. You know, he he picks up a bigger role playing nickel, and and uh, you know, th those guys all all bring a lot to the table, bring a lot to the team. All right, break time. As we step away, we remind you that for your daily Cougar Sports play-by-play, -play, tune in weekdays for BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern time. Coming up in our final segment of this week's show, a look ahead to Friday night's Utah State game and a question or two from social media if we can squeeze it in. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. More of the show after this. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you in part by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU Food To Go, the MVP of your next event. And by Siegfried & Jensen, serving Utah families for over 30 years. All right, this Friday in Logan, 4-0 BYU visiting 3-1 Utah State. A BYU a 35-27 home winner over USF this past Saturday. Uh, USU lost a 27-3 decision to Boise on Saturday in Logan. Defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki with us. A couple thoughts on the Aggies. Yeah, they're, they're uh, I, I think that uh, Coach Anderson there has done a phenomenal job. Just, I mean, it's, you normally see a little bit of time where, where a new guy comes in and installs the system and, and gets things going. I mean, they're, they're playing really, really good football. You know, I know he's made the statement about playing fast and covering every, every blade of grass, and they're doing that. They're playing fast. They're, they're uh, you know, they're scoring points. They're, they're really difficult to defend vertically and horizontally, and it'll be a challenge for us. Okay, to social media now from at Elko Cougar for Coach Tuiaki. Did the fact that the defense is playing without Ellis and Heron and then ultimately Hayes uh, force you to play more zone and less man and be more conservative against USF and any chance you get anybody back for Utah State? Yeah, that's that's certainly uh, uh, part part of the you know decision making when you're you know you you have I think we've talked about in, in uh, the segments before you have corners that can play 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 man. You can be a little bit different in the way that you bring blitzes and pressures and and uh, creepers and all that that type of stuff and and uh, when you don't then you know or, or you know you got to pick and choose in the time that you do and and uh, you know I think when you're playing it and you're playing aggressive with the guys that 
uh, you know, it may not be their forte, and those guys' forte in, in uh, zones, and you just you just uh, are susceptible to give up something cheap, just just an easy one, and we want to make sure we keep the ball in front of us and make them earn it. I mean, the, their biggest play, I think, was 26 yards on a, on a scramble pass, and then the, the longest run was a scrambled 18-yard uh, run, and so felt like just to keep it in front of us was important for us. And you hope to get Isaiah Heron back this week, right? That's a yeah. hope. Okay. All right. Have a great week. Good luck Friday night. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Coordinator's Corner. For coaches Roderick and Tuayaki, I'm Greg Rubel. Have a great week. We'll see you next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Go Kooks.